Welcome to Inside the Mind, a podcast hosted by myself, Jennifer Forster, and my beautiful co-host, Ali May. We're excited to be here, diving into edgy, raw, and relatable conversations woven together with mind-blowing questions that will shake up your model of the world, expand your thinking, unravel your beliefs, tease apart your patterns, and walk you to the very edges of everything you've ever believed about yourself. As NLP trainers, coaches, entrepreneurs, we'll be traversing the topics of business, relationships, money, family, spirituality, leadership, and personal growth, all through the discerning lens of NLP, ancient teachings, and a healthy sprinkling of womanly wisdom. One thing we believe to be true is that if we want a different outcome, we must be willing to ask a different question. And the answers to those questions are always inside the mind. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside the Mind. I am Ali and this is my beautiful friend, co-host, bestie, all the things, Gen 5 Star. Today we are diving into an interesting, I find this an interesting topic. So success. We're going to be diving into five principles for success. I'm going to put a little bit of a little bit of a shift on this. Yeah. For me, when I hear the word success, I kind of cringe a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like there's some words that I hear in business where I'm like, oh, um, what's the other one? Not determination, discipline. Discipline for me is one where I, I cringe at that word as well. And you know, over time, what I've come to realize is that we do not have to have the definition of a word that somebody has given a definition to. When I started out in my affiliate marketing business, I had rapid success. When I say rapid success, accolades, speaking on stages, making bank, looked up to as a leader, all the things. As I progressed onto my multi six figures, I was looking at my mentors and thinking something shifted in me. I was looking at them and I'm like, holy shit, they're seven figure income earners. If I want to be a seven figure income earner, I'm going to have to do what they do. And I shut myself down. I retracted a lot because I didn't want to be on what what I saw them doing. My perception of them was I saw them on all the time. I saw them on from sunup to sundown. And you know what? They were doing that. They were creating something specific for themselves. Now, what I chose to do when I looked at that after I'd realized what I was doing, I chose to give success a different meaning for me. And I chose to make success mean that I could be a seven-figure income earner my way through lots of nourishment, through a few hours a day working, through lots of time for myself, I didn't have to do it the way that somebody else did. So today we're going to dive into these five principles for success. Mm-hmm. They are NLP principles. Jen and I are just going to go a bit backwards and forwards on this. Yeah, yeah. And I really love that, Ali, because there's an old saying, or maybe it is an old saying, I don't know. I've heard people, I don't know who to credit this to, but the saying is start with the end in mind. So when we're speaking to the five principles for success, me years ago, overachiever Jen would have just literally gone, hmm, give them to me. Yeah, let's, right. So I do this, Jen, and then I do this, and then I do this, and and then I'm going to have success. Great. However, what I've come to know, if you can see this on video, it loses its effect uh, over the audio, however. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe, maybe it maybe doesn't. Maybe people are laughing along maybe with me. Maybe people are laughing along with me. And there's nothing wrong with this. I really want to, I'm not making anyone wrong. I'm certainly not making that previous version of me wrong either. However, I'm always looking for how can I, um, you know, what can I learn here? I'm working with an extraordinary trainer, a recomposition trainer, just to give clarity to that from for my health. And the question I constantly ask him when we're working through exercises is 
how can I improve my technique here? How can I improve my physiology here? How can I improve my posture here? And I'm looking for those tiny tweaks that are going to give me success, you know, in air quotes, the success that I'm looking for. Now, to back that up a second as well, I define success for him very, very specifically. And Ali and I had a fun conversation about this. And, um, and I said to her, I said, I was very clear in what I wanted. And she said, well, that doesn't sound like you, Jen, tongue in cheek. <laughs> However, I never used to be clear because I didn't have, I had a very muddled interpretation of success. So, you know, my success with him was just simply growing lean muscle. So now I want to know what are the things that I can continuously improve in order to continue the exponential growth of my success in air quotes. So I think it is really important that we, before we start just adopting principles for success left, right and centre, because these are not the only principles for success out there, you'll find the internet is full of them. However, before we start to take on any information or in this circumstance, principles for success, we do, as Ali said, get really, really clear on what is success for you and what would it look like to continuously amplify your own success. Yeah. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Let's make this a short, sharp, quick dive in, Jen. So or it's probably going to be the longest episode. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm putting on my glasses, which means I'm going into teacher mode. If any of you have been, you know, been here before on the podcast journey with me, Ali always teases me when I put on my glasses. I, my there's physiology. No <laughs> no there's, there's a change in physiology and I become a teacher. So. Uh, so the first principle in this model of success, and there are others, the first principle is know your outcome. Now, this is so key, isn't it? Know your outcome. So what that is actually saying is, are you completely crystal clear on what it is that you desire? Do you know with specificity what it is you desire? If I use, thank you, Unconscious Mind, for giving me the training example, because it's an actually, it's really a good example to pin these back to. So know my outcome. So I was very, very clear if I'd just gone to my trainer and said, hey, I just want to get a bit fitter. I just want to get a bit leaner. I just want to grow a little bit of muscle. If I'd kind of been a bit blurry and muddled, my results would also be blurry and muddled, right? So what I did with him was I have one goal and one goal only, and I've really drilled down what that is. And it, it's, there's no secret here. My goal is to grow lean muscle. That's it. I'm not interested in the scales. I'm not interested in losing weight. I'm not interested in gaining weight. I'm not interested in body fat percentages. I'm not interested in how much body fat I have. My one and only goal is to grow lean muscle. Now, he can work with that really well to move me with specificity towards that goal. Lots of specificity, a very specific result. Yeah, I love that. And, yeah. you know, for me over the years, coming to a point of specificity and knowing my outcome has been like, oh. You know, over time, it's just been like, oh my gosh, yeah. oh my yeah. God, really? It's like knowing my avatar. Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh, for fuck's sake, do I, I have to? <laughs> I mean, for you, you knew exactly what you wanted. And there's got, there's got to be times where in business, in life, we don't know exactly what we want. Mm. And from there, if we can have a look at, like step out into the future a little bit, go beyond where we're currently at and have a look, like what is something that could be possible for me right now? If time and money, you know, that classic saying, if time and money were not an issue, what do I desire to create in my life? And coming from that place, there is a practice that I love to do and I teach this a lot and it's 
you know, it's a way that we can do this as well. It might support you if you're a little bit stuck in knowing your outcome. And it's just writing down simply, what does the highest version of myself look like in regards to X, Y, Z? So if you wanted to set a business outcome, say you want to achieve something in your business and you weren't quite sure on that, then you could ask the question, what does the highest version of myself look like in regards to my business? And then you write it out as though it's done. So I am a self-made multimillionaire. The more money I make, the more money I make. I speak on stages all around the world. I inspire... X, Y, and Z, then the list goes on. And so getting very clear on who that version of you is and what that version looks like without all of the, I can't, I don't know how this is possible, this is not possible, without all of that story going on, just giving creative license to your pen and your mind to actually go off on, on its own tangent, on their own tangent, to have a look at what's possible. Then once you've done that, you will come back to what's your outcome that you desire. And this can also be in relationship it can be in business it could be with finances it can be in in any fitness as jen so beautifully shared it can be in any area of our lives mm. so that's number one mm. if we go so for those keeping the list yes, yes. that's n- number, one number one is no those that have got their pen and paper because i know there'll be some of you that do number one know your outcome yep Ali. number two is take action what can you do right now that's out of your comfort zone So I'm happy to pin this back to my example and I'm going to be super, super transparent here and let you know, it took me six months (laughs) to take action, even though I knew what I wanted. I knew I wanted to increase my lean muscle. It took me six months to take action. Why? Because the action step was going to put me out of my comfort zone. Mm. It was going to require me to make an investment financially, a time investment and a commitment, an investment in my own commitment to myself. Now, those three things were a little edgy for me. It's like, oh, because, you know, I had all these stories running. Am I going to have to give up this? Am I going to have to do this? I'm going to have to do, you know, I had all this stuff going around in my head around it. However, the out of my comfort zone first action, simplest action I took was to actually get this trainer's phone number. It was recommended by my son. So I got his phone number. That was my first out of the comfort zone action. Now it took me another week to ring him, but that's a whole nother story, right? So it took me another week to ring him. And then once I made that appointment, had that conversation, the rest of that momentum just took over, right? So so when we say take action, what can you do right now that's out of your comfort zone? It's often the tiniest thing. It's the tiniest step. When I used to manage gyms and have fitness businesses i used to say to my clients once they were there in the gym or once they had arrived at their group fitness session they'd already done the hardest thing the hardest thing that they were ever going to do in that entire session was to actually to get in the car and drive to wherever they had to go or walk or or ride a bike or whatever but getting there was the hardest thing right the most out of your comfort zone thing that you're going to do I want to make this a little, I want to take this on a different tangent to business, relationship, health, wealth, all of that. So I don't know if we talked about it on an episode. We may have on a on a previous episode. We may not have as well. We could have done I it. Love, on a, I love when a tangent comes yeah, in. We could have done this in the live training. I'm not sure where, where this has been shared. I'm going to share it here though. There was a day a couple of months back where I felt so overwhelmed with my list in inverted commas of things to do. I was in a space of just could not be fucked to do anything. And I, it was getting bigger and bigger. And I had some things that definitely were requiring doing. Mm. And I was chatting with Jen and Jen said to me, Ali, just, could you just do one thing? And even the thought of doing one thing when I was in that space of complete overwhelm with myself, I was like, yeah, I can do one thing. 
And what ended up happening was I did everything. <laughs> I, I remember messaging Jen. I think it was on the weekend we talked about it. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was on the weekend yeah. at the two-day event. Yeah. I called Jen or I messaged her and, and I was like, oh my gosh. It was like two hours later or something. And I'd done so much stuff. Just now about, I've done another thing. Yeah. And now <laughs> I've done another thing. Anyone so would think good. I was a, a young child. Uh, I was proud of myself because I didn't want to do anything. So in this, principles for success, success can be anything. Mm -hmm. It can just be in our everyday life for something that, that we're struggling to get done or something that we would like to do so taking that action yeah jen number three. number three is have sensory acuity so at nlp practitioner training and master practitioner training we speak to a concept called sensory acuity sensory acuity is just simply being aware of physiological responses now as a practitioner you would pay attention to that in other people however this principle applies here because what it's saying is observe your internal and external responses. What's going on externally, maybe for others and for you, and what's going on internally as well. Do you wanna add some to that? I think that's pretty good. This is a random example. It's coming through, so I'm going to use it. Yeah. So when we do prac, we learn to have sensory acuity at a specific level. When we do master prac, it gets a little bit more expanded. And then when we do trainers training, it gets even more expanded. Yeah, it gets even more expanded. I remember at the two day event, one of the participants was sitting there, I had my head down. And I knew that they had a question. Mm. <laughs> I literally had my head down and then I could feel the person and it was like, boom, do you have a question for me? And they did. Mm. And so we can get so, when we're clean, clear and congruent within ourselves, when we're not full of stories and mm. full of our own mm -hmm. limiting beliefs and all the things that are holding us back from living this beautiful, extraordinary life that we so want to live from a place of abundance and joy and happiness. Mm. Once, when we are able to live from that space, then we're able to see things within other people. So it could heighten our relationship with our children, if you have children. It could support you with a relationship with students, if you're working with students or clients or your partner or anybody really. Sensory acuity is great. It doesn't just come from, you know, or it starts with observing what's going on in somebody's face, mm. what's happening with them. Mm. Then it's body language. Then we look to being able to not even look at someone and be able to pick that up. So our sensory acuity can heighten as well as we move along i think mm. that could even be an, an episode mm. on its own mm. and yes it would be a great episode and just to add one more thing to that what you're tuning into internally is your nervous system sometimes we can have this belief that oh this is scary and fearful and what it could actually be is exciting and new and we're calling it scary and fearful so pay attention to your nervous system that's the internal sensory acuity that's number three number four is have behavioral flexibility <laughs> do you want to add anything to this one i feel like a master yes. behavioral flexibility <laughs> if you want to go back to some of our earlier episodes we share a very specific example of having behavioral flexibility and we we subscribe to a NLP, we call them presuppositions. However, in layman's terms, they are just simply beliefs that we choose to adopt, um, to live by. And behavioral flexibility is one of them. And essentially what it's saying is the person or the person with the greater or the most behavioral flexibility wins the game of life and controls the system and all those kinds of things. To me, what it means is that the person with the greatest behavioral flexibility 
which means the person that can pivot, the person that doesn't come derailed, become derailed when things don't go according to plan, the person that's able to continue to move forward even when challenges are coming at you at a rate of knots, things that you couldn't have perceived or planned for, you're still able to continue to move forwards towards the thing, the outcome that you're gunning for. You know when we have things that come up in our lives and it's like, we've talked about this as well, mm -hmm. like we're living Groundhog Day and the same lesson seems to come. Mm -hmm. I feel like behavioral flexibility for me was one of those very loud flashing red light learnings. Mm -hmm. It was like one thing after another, it was months on end for things happening where it was like pivot alley, pivot alley, how are you gonna handle this situation? And if we do have behavioral flexibility and we can pivot, pivot's a great word to put in there. Yeah. If we can pivot then, it also allows us to get what we want in situations, not from a place of manipulation, but from a place of just because we want something specific and it gets to be easy. Mm. And number five is operate from a physiology and a psychology of excellence. So our physiology is our body. How do we hold ourselves? What's going on within us? If we're slouching, we're not in a physiology of excellence. We're in a space of contraction. It's also a state of flight as well, I believe, when we're in, yeah, flight is contracted mm. shoulders. Yeah. You see a lot or, of kids. Or fawning or freezing. Yep. You kind of, yeah. You see a lot of kids that are gaming and then the, on their phones that have their physiology is lent forward and that can have them in a state of flight, which has their nervous system on hyperdrive and not just children, it's adults too. So what's your physiology doing? How are you holding yourself in every moment? And also your psychology of excellence. And we look at that, mm. you know, everything that we do and everything that we teach supports people to have a psychology of excellence. What are your thoughts like? What are your beliefs doing? Yeah. How are you showing up for yourself in the world? Uh, just an, an add-on to the psychology of excellence as well. So in NLP, we have the belief that anything anyone else can do, if we model how they did that, model their strategies, model how they did it, not copy, model, model what they did in order to get where they uh, have arrived, then we can also do that too. I've got two prime examples of that off right. the top of my, the top right. of my head. Yeah. One was your master pack, Jen. So mm -hmm. for usually trainers will do a board break or a spoon bend with their students and i chose to do ice baths with my students at master prac none of them i don't think any of you had done ice baths before no and so when we go through this psychology of excellence there's a whole process that we go through where all the students were asking me specific questions like i gave them a framework and then they were asking me specific questions and they were figuring out how do i do ice baths how can i sit in ice water for three to five minutes and be laser focused on what I'm doing, not be in a state of, oh my God, this is too hard. Like, how do I do what I do when I'm in my physiology of excellence, when I'm in my psychology of excellence? And from that, what happened was through them getting the steps of what I do, what do I think? Do I prep myself? What's going on before I get in an ice bath? What's actually happening when I get in an ice bath? Am I doing specific things? When they got all of that, every single one of my students was able to get in that ice bath for three to five minutes mm. with no questions. They all just did it, no if, buts or maybes. And then my next master prac that I ran earlier this year, we went and did a training session with an amazing trainer and he took my students through an exercise that he'd taken professional athletes like NRL players, all different professional athletes. He'd taken them through this exercise and there's a famous NRL team that did this exercise. And I think he said they did it 17 times before they got it right. This is elite athletes, right? <laughs> Not one group of people had ever done this exercise. It's a like, pretty tough exercise. I went in on it once, my group did it twice and he did it three times. No one, not one group had gone through and done that exercise the whole way through the first time, except for my group. 
And that was because they went in and we did this process of how does he do what he does? How can he actually do this? How does he do it the first time, the second time, and the third time and still be able to do what he's doing? So getting in the mind of him, getting in, figuring out what's going on, what does he tell himself? What are his anchors? What's his thought process? What's his beliefs around all of this? Allowed them, as tough as it was, there was tears, there was like very vocal people, there was all <laughs> sorts going on. It was fucking challenging. And every single person did it. Mm. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the psychology of excellence. That's having the belief that if somebody else can do it, we can do it too if we are willing to model and replicate their processes and their strategies for achieving what they've just achieved. And on that as well, to expand on that a little bit more, yes, 100%. And also, we might learn their strategy and realize that a part of the strategy doesn't work for us. So what we're doing here when we're getting somebody else's psychology and physiology of excellence is having a look how they do things, trying it on ourselves first. And then if we find that it's not a fit for us or there's a piece that we would like to do different, then we just modify and pivot. Mm, it's so great. Behavioral flexibility. We have behavioral flexibility. Exactly. <laughs> so, so just to recap for everybody. So those are the five principles for success that we've spoken to today. They are not the only principles for success. They're principles for success that we find work very, very well. Yeah. And just on that last one, mm. like how would you put that into practice? Well, find someone who's done what you want to do mm. and have a conversation with them or do a training with them or read their book or whatever it is that you would like to do to immerse in their space to see how they do what they do mm. and then have a look for yourself. Apply those principles to your life and also know you are uniquely you. You are nobody else. Some things may be different there. And then pivot. It's a way that we can fast track our results. Mm. So number one, know your outcome. Number two, take action. Number three, have sensory acuity. Number four, behavioral flexibility. And number five, operate from a physiology and a psychology of excellence. And I do just want to point out, because congruency and everything, taking action and operating from a physiology and psychology of excellence, so points two and five, are not traditional NLP. They've been adopted into NLP because why? Because they work really, really well. Because <laughs> somebody looked at somebody else's way of doing something and realized two more action steps could go in there. Yeah. How beautiful of an illustration was that just then? Exactly. A great illustration of pivoting, being able to take things and modify and make things even better. We've spoken so much about that today. Okay, I think that's probably a good point to wrap this up. If you have any, if you would like to play with this, you've now got these points, take something in your life and run it through these processes and see what you can get and find for yourself. For example, you might look at the point five, operate from physiology and psychology of excellence, and you might actually now, knowing this, think of someone who's doing what you're doing, and you might reach out to them and say, hey, I'd love to, can I buy you lunch? Can I take you out for dinner? Can I buy you breakfast? and see if they're open to spending some time with you and ask them some questions. How do you do what you do? And that piece there on what Ginger shared then, find someone who's doing what you're doing or what you want to be doing and are doing it better than you. Yes, yes, yes. And of course, define success for you first. Maybe that would be a great piece that you could even begin with. If you're not even sure what success is for you, if you've taken on other people's beliefs around success, I would, even before you dive into these five principles, I would spend some time and get clear on what a success means to you. Catch you on the next episode. See you soon.